Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. You know, the point about that I just want to put on the table and get your take on is we talk about winning all the time, but the principles that we've kind of unearthed from working in our business, it's amazing to me how universal they are and how people in business or really in life are so desperate for some straight talk. It's amazing to me how desperate people are. And again, we only have about, you know, a few minutes to talk about this, but for clear thinking and concepts they can use to kind of navigate life. And that's, you know, that's why I wrote the serial winner book to begin with, to kind of give them a compressed time frames and helping them get the picture and start to uh, get functionally in control of their own life with their thought processes and their actions. But I went up to a, uh, the funny story is I went and got my haircut at this guy named Cosmo down the street. And, uh, He's like the second biggest or one of the two biggest hair salons in the area. And he was telling me that the average hair salon person in the country makes like, hair cutter makes like 350 bucks a week. And the average salon is like three people. And yet he has like 60, 80 people. He makes a half a million dollars. And people come up to him all the time and say, how did you do this? How do you, you know, how do you manage people? How do you make, he said, I don't manage people. I manage situations that I just, when things happen, he said, I unravel it the way I know that will make things work. He said, on the other hand, what most people do is they walk straight into a door, hit the side of the door and say, wow, that, that really hurt. I don't know why that door jam got, got in my way. And then they'll turn around and walk right back into the same door jam. You know, he said, I'm a guy that will like walk through the door instead of going repeatedly in the door jam. <laughs> and he said, when you start living life and approaching life with the things that work and doing those things over and over, just pay attention some good things can start to happen. And really, winning is really not that complicated, is it? No, it's not. No, when uh, you pick out certain things that you do religiously, habitually, uh, almost uh, a, uh, a, a, you, you cannot get through your day without doing these things. It's almost a, uh, like a sickness, for lack of a better word, that I got to get these things done today, and tomorrow I got to do those same things. Because uh, if you do the same things every day, you're going to get results, and not uh, like I, I, Larry, I blocked out every day two hours worth of phone calls every day. I had appointments set with myself to make phone calls. And I had a goal of 10 appointments a week. And uh, from those two hours a day of phone calling, I didn't need all two hours mostly, but I scheduled it. 
I'm and, and I got my ten appointments a week. My ten appointments a week allowed me to be involved in ten recruits a month coming in, allowed me to write ten life apps a month, month in, month out, religiously for eight years. That's what I did. And so if you said to me, Bill, what are you gonna be doing next September third? I'd say, what day a week? It's a Monday. Well, every Monday from 9 to 11, I'm on the call. And most people uh, haven't got a uh, a definite plan of action that they religiously adhere to come heck or high water. Yeah. And there's reasons why they don't, by the way. And, you know, Larry Bird, 500 shots before every game. Uh, yeah. Michael Jordan, have you ever read the book uh, Relentless? I mean, he was uh, uh, obsessed with his system and his getting in the work necessary. Even writers, you you, you know this being a writer yourself, every grand writer uh, of literature, they write eight hours a day, heck or high water. They're writing eight hours a day, five days a week until they get the book done. And they don't do anything else during those hours. Well, you know, like and, Stephen uh, King. Stephen King's got a formula. Uh, he said, I write, uh, he said, a normal book's like 50,000 words. He said, I write 400. Every day, I'm going to write at least 400 words. And if I write 400 words, at the end of the year, I'll have like, you know, 120,000, something like that. And he said, you you, you you compress it down, and you get the best of it, and you got yourself a book. And he said, I have a book every year. Now, James Patterson, who's the single most successful guy right now, he collaborates with other writers. But he's a member of the same club that Art and I are members of down here at Palm Beach and uh, where you played. You know, you've been out there. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, but James Patterson, I swear, would have been out there the same day you came. Because he's the first one on the course, like 7, 7.30 every morning. He does a quick run around, him and one caddy. He doesn't putt. You know, he picks up the ball, and they go on the next thing. So he's, he's through by, like, 8.30, 9 o'clock. He goes back to his house, and he's working all day. But he's got his round of golf in. You know, he got out, he got going. That's his routine. And so the thing is, you got to figure out what works for you in that Two things came up. You know, I, I sit in the guy's chair. I've sat in his chair 20 minutes. You know, at my stage of life, I don't have a lot of hair left, so it didn't take that long to cut. <laughs> but uh, in that thing, it, two things came up. One was the comment you made and that first book that you and I did, which was you said that uh, – uh, like, am I good enough? And the key of looking at that is, if you're not good enough, you look at it like, I'm not good enough yet. Because things I may not be good enough to do today may be easy for me tomorrow. You can't just say, I'm not good enough, right, I right. quit. It's not. Right. It, you know, because you being good enough is a something that changes. And uh, most of us are not good enough to do what we're doing right now when we started out, but yes. we got good yes. enough gradually, right? Right, right. In fact, and, I read something uh, the other day. If you're not succeeding, you're not God ready yet. 
Yeah, that's right. And, you know, so, uh, you know, we, and so how many of us don't think I can't do it or I won't do it or uh, if you do the same things, right things long enough, Art Williams said, you will build an empire doing the right you know, things long enough. There is a word that I'm going to talk about. I'm, I'm working. I've been working two years since I put the book out to get a, my online video course. And there's in the section I have on growth and how growth works. I've got, I'm going to introduce in there the, the word terraforming because that's why growth takes so long because you have to full, you have to make different connections in your brain, those synapses connection neurons or these pathways these you create little, first of all, you make connections in your brain. You do these things over and over. And they become like super highways. It's like that's the only way you know how to do something. You've done it so many times. But you, it takes a while to form these new thought patterns, habits, to rearrange your schedule, to get people out of your life that are disruptive, to install things in your life that make it easy to do the right things consistently. It's like terraforming, which is like volcanoes out in Hawaii where the, it spews the, the lava and it flows to the sea. And then when it gets to the sea, it explodes, solidifies. But then over a year or two or three, you've got another 100 acres, you know, of earth. You know, you're, you're forming new earth, terraforming. And that's what happens when we grow. You're basically terraforming new uh, habits, patterns, processes, your life is changing, your brain is changing, your body changes to this new way of doing things. You know, it's, the body's very changeable. You know, your cells what, regenerated every 21 days or something. And so uh, the, it follows what's in your mind and your activity. You know, your body warps over to that and uh, develops make you able to do what you get in your mind you're going to be doing it's a pretty exciting thing to realize how changeable the body is and the mind is don't you think well yes and um uh working out is a good example i remember you used to tell the story about the guy that goes to the gym and he's just starting out at working out he's with a personal trainer he looks over and looks at a guy like your son and yeah i don't want to look like him yeah, and the trainer right. looks at him and says, "Trust me, there's no way you can ever look like him." That's not a so problem we're you'll have in your lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all concerned if I make too much money, am I going to? You know, uh, most people they back off way before. Like I tell people, most people die way before God's ready for them to die. Yeah, because in their mind, well, I, I, I don't know. God wants you to live to be a hundred. Everybody. Yeah. And but and so, same thing here. What if God wants you to make a million dollars a year? That's the plan. If not, yeah, He wouldn't have put you in a million dollar system. And right. you back off at a hundred thousand because you haven't grown, got been God ready to make a million. Because you can't make a million till you make a hundred. Can't make a two hundred till you make a three hundred till you make two hundred. But you got to keep growing and developing, and and uh, that's why we've got an intellect. Yeah. Well, you know, another thing came up in this chair 
uh, we were talking. It's amazing how much, you know, when you're on point, you can, I should have record. I'm going to record him. We go, when I go back in there again, so much good stuff comes up. But, uh, the thing I told him was what I'd heard. I don't know if you ever heard Art say it. I only heard him say it one time. And that was the, you know, we were talking about the fact that some, I was talking with somebody else earlier in the week. Thing about, you know, the great thing, you know, is that you wind up naturally spending your time around more successful people who think clearly, who have really good insights. And that stuff makes you better because it kind of helps you refine what you're saying, you know. And uh, but we we were talking about uh, this idea of get you know that many times you know, somebody will say something and they it's the only time they say it and it'll be like a lightning bolt of truth. And so you have as you go through life, especially. You know, it can come out of anybody's mouth, but it's usually going to come out of somebody who knows what they're talking about. But pay attention in life and write stuff down. You know, the best comedians write comedy ideas down when they hear it. They remember it. You know, great speakers. You know, like John Maxwell, he sold more books, business books. He's like behind Billy Graham in the Bible in terms of, sold more books than anybody living in our generation in the nonfiction category. And he just, I'm just reminded of him because he spoke at our church here uh, last week. But John, when, uh, you know, I've had, you know, he was one of the golfing buddies of, of our group, but you ride around with him in the cart. He listens to everything you say and he's constantly saying, Hey, that's great. Can I use it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's constantly saying, "Hey, can I use that? Can I use that?" And so the thing is, this you know, a guy like that knows. Like even Picasso said, everything is inspired by somebody, something else. Nothing is really totally original. You know, everything is inspired by something else. That's what Picasso said. Supposedly, this creative font of just genius, this or the other. That's what Picasso said. And when you go, so like, where does John Maxwell get all this stimulation and all these ideas and all this and the other? Because of where he circulates and he pays attention. Where does, you know, and he writes this stuff down. He's constantly working. You know, he knows that it's a successful pattern. Keep your ears open. And I know that I've been around professional musicians all my life. And where I have, you know, I've, had to figure out winning in my life. And I'm always thinking of how things work. I'm always thinking of what's the right path, what's the straightest path, what's, you know, wisdom. Basically, my life has been a pursuit of wisdom along with beauty and everything else with the art and the photography. But it's a pursuit of wisdom. Like, how can you save time? How, what's the smart way to go? What's the, you, there's no such thing as a secret, but there are straight lines. Where are the straight lines? Where are the direct paths? And that's what I'm always looking for. But in a musician's mind, the professional musician, they have a, it's not just that they listen to music, they have a music track playing in their brain at all times. And they're either, they're not only hearing the music, they're seeing themselves play it. They're either seeing it on sheet music, seeing it like that, 
or they're seeing it as they would play it. Like if you take a, you know, a banjo player or a guitar player who does not read music, they have, most of those professional guys have a soundtrack going in their brain all the time. And, and along with that soundtrack is they visualize themselves playing that thing. They don't have, it's not like they're trying to, it's just what's, that's just what's going on in their brain. They're hearing it, they're seeing it, they're playing it in their brain. That's where they divert to. That's why they're musicians. <laughs> and the comedians are the same way. They're looking for jokes. Everything they hear, they're looking for the funny side of it. And when they see it, they write the stuff down. They don't trust their memory because you might only see it once. But So Art said one time that I was around him, and uh, I've always thought Art was kind of, you know, he's a genius and people skills and everything, but I've always thought there was a idiot savant side of Art where he could just come out of the blue with something and never say it again, but it was so pure. It was just like divine, divinely inspired words, you know, of being on the money. But he said one time, I don't know if you ever heard of it, he said, what you do on winning, and this whole idea of this, to me it related to getting in a zone, getting in a groove, and getting what we're talking about here, finding winning patterns. He said, what you do, because he and I were always talking about the mental edge, you know, looking for a mental edge and getting a winning edge. How do you get it? How do you keep it? He said, what you're doing, and this is over lunch out at the golf course once, he said, what you're doing is trying to get, he said, what you got to do is get yourself up to a point where you, here's, here's the genius of the simplicity. You instinctively do enough of the right things on a daily basis to win. It's just genius in how uh, simple he put the key ingredients. You instinctively do it. It's not because you read it out of a book or it's written down and you're going to checklist. You work yourself up when you got the winning edge. You just feel it in your bones that you're, you're getting enough because life is complex. You get interruptions. You get knocked off track. You have to do different things on different days. And uh, people come in to take more of your time or you get sidetracked on things. But he said, you've got to carry around with you, get to where you carry around with you this internal feeling and sense of where you know you're getting enough of the right things done on a daily basis to keep winning and to keep growing. But things like that, having those in your head, those kind of guidelines and those thoughts to organize yourself is, is, is kind of guidelines for helping you organize yourself for success or priceless to me. What do you think? For those of you who are sick and tired of fooling around and are dead serious about wanting to move up fast, I've got something especially for you. I've combined the best insights from over 40 years in business and making $70 million in income and compressed them into a free webinar. That's right. It's a free resource. If you want to find out exactly what the concepts are that I use in coaching million-dollar earners, register now at YDLOnWinning.com. You'll discover 
the five-part framework used by so many to reach their financial, personal, and professional goals. You can find that link in this episode's show notes. Well, I think you're right. I think the word there is, and it sounds derogatory, but idiot savant. Yeah. And that's, I think that, that's the word I wanted to use that I, uh, earlier that uh, I, I, they do the same things over and over again. Do you ever watch uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman when he played a savant and he was in his groove? He, he had certain things he did on a regular basis. Uh, almost obsessively, and say, same thing here, where you instinctively, obsessively do the same things over and over again, uh, and success always comes from that. And um, instead of every day, I hear people all the time say, "Well, what, what do you do? What do you do? How do you do this? What presentation are you?" They have not figured out those daily routines, those daily habits that you talked about that. Uh, uh, Stephen King has, or uh, James Patterson has, uh, or Larry Bird has, or Matthew Johnson had, and we, we think they're just, no, they just got into those rough routines, and the end result of that is uh, they have success. By the way, let me tell you a quick story about John Maxwell. I've been to about three or four of his seminars, and Larry, he'll be talking and talking, he'll say something, and he has somebody in the audience that's supposed to take notes when he says, write that down. That's good. Yeah. Write that down. That's good. You know, something will come out of his mouth, write that down. And that's how he gets his book. He, something comes out, and then he makes a book out of it. Yep. Yep. And we all, but, you know, we all have like that concept of an idiot savant. And we all have that capacity. Anybody else better than anybody else? They just have got their routines down. Yeah. Yeah, he said. Uh, yeah, he said something like that on Sunday. He said, "That's good. Write that down." Like he he'd never said it before, but it was something like. Like he he said. Now here's what he said. He said the worst excuse is a really good excuse because. You believe it, but it's a lie. But he said the worst excuse is a good excuse because you'll fall for it, but it's really a lie that you have to accept it. And he said, write that down. That's a good one. (laughs) But uh, the thing is, you know, you just have to get yourself organized for success, we all oh, the other thing, Bill, we all got to figure out our own lives, right? Because the thing about following formulas, mediocre people, formulas are good to get you started and to learn fundamentals and get the basics. But if you're going to go to greatness, you got to go beyond the fundamentals and use the fundamentals to live your life. Because the fundamentals were developed as things that work over and over and over for us all but how they're applied are always different to different degrees at different at times at different uh, intensities. And so they're tools. And so you got to apply them and use the fundamentals. It's not, you can't live a unique, great, 
life that's never been lived, which is what you're designed to do. You're designed to live a unique, specific, you know, specifically unique life, unlike any other life. That's why our fingerprints are different. That's why our, every hair on our head is different from the hair of other people. That's how DNA is so specific. And if your DNA, your fingerprint, your hair is totally unique, don't you think the game plan for your life would be totally unique? <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just logical. So you got to figure that out. You know, you got to follow the breadcrumbs. You use the principles and the fundamentals as guideposts to follow the breadcrumbs that God sprinkles in front of you to pull you forward to where he wants you to go so you can fulfill what he has for your life. But if you're not going to have the faith and you're not going to have the energy to follow the first, the next breadcrumb he puts out in front of you, like it's over here, follow this, you know, uh, pay attention. And if you're not going to do that, he's not going to waste his time on you. He's going to let you flounder around and twist in the wind until you bang your head up against the wall enough and you humble yourself to start paying attention and uh, follow the breadcrumbs so you can get where he wants you to go. But we've got to figure out, between us and God, we've got to figure our own lives out, don't we? You know, it really does. And I like Virginia Carter used to say, Variety is the spice of life, but monotony makes you wealthy. And uh, our spiritual lives are dependent on us doing routine things daily and not when we feel like it. And like Tommy Newbury said, uh, that successful people do things because you're supposed to do them not only when you feel like doing them, the feelers and the doers. And yep. most people in America only do something that they feel like it. The successful people do it whether or not they feel like it. And I heard a quote about writers, and it said, writers don't like to write. They like to have written. They don't like writing yeah. eight hours a day. They don't like doing 450 words a day. Yeah. They like right. the end result, like you know, the old saying that successful people seek pleasant results unsuccessful people seek pleasant methods and become satisfied with the results those methods bring. I right. might not be making all the money in the world, at least I don't have to kill myself. Right. And see, all That's the like things t- you've done in life, Larry, you had not enjoyed doing them like you. I, you didn't like doing interviews. Right. You didn't like making phone calls. You liked the results of it. Yeah, and the thing is that, you know, there's no matter what you do in life, there's going to be an element of grunt work involved, a huge element of grunt work. You know, you've got to grovel before you get to the glory. People forget that part, you know. And uh, everybody who gets to the glory has done much groveling along the way and much grunt work. It's, you can't begrudge it because the grunt work and the groveling is what polishes and prepares you for the glory. And the people that have, the people who get to the glory stage without the grunt work 
you know, the processing of the grunt work and the groveling are the people who do not hang on to success. And uh, there's an interesting story, Bill. The guy, you know, there's, you know, they've made these movies like the, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street or something like that. There's a couple of movies like that they made in the last few years where these guys came in and spent all this right. hedge fund money and all. But the guy who, the guy who actually was modeled, that was modeled on, who had reformed, when this, a new guy came along, in a new con guy came along and was patterning the same thing on Wall Street. And he came in and he faked his way. You know, he was, he was like a junior version of Bernie Madoff. And he, had, he came out of China, the Far East, and he suckered in a bunch of uh, celebrities and uh, artists. He got their money, and he was spending, you know, like buying, you know, having parties on yachts and spending $10 million and $50 million on parties with celebrities. And they're just, you know, going through $5,000 bottles of champagne by the case and uh, – this guy, this guy was taking over like New York, and the guy who was the original Wolf of Wall Street, the original con man, he said, "Here's what he said about it." He said, "He called BS on it." He said, "I don't know who that guy is, but he's a fraud." And here's why he said, "He said, here's what I've learned about it: you don't spend money like that, that carelessly, that wastefully." if you had to grovel and make it yourself. <laughs> he said, wow. because that's, that's what I did. And he said, I recognize, he said, I recognize that level of throwing money around and spending. He said, if somebody's doing that, they're spending other people's money because you don't do that to your money that you work that hard. And that's the kind of thing it is about groveling and grunt work to create well, Larry, your own success. You don't take it for granted. I don't think to be no. talking about the government right now. <laughs> Point made. Point made. You know, again, too, but, I guess uh, it's one of those that that, that uh, idiot savant moments. That what you just said was brilliant. Grovel until you get to glory. It polishes and prepares you for the glory, and the processing of the grunt and groveling takes you to the glory and wealth. I just put that wealth down there, but that's basically what you said. And, you know, how many of us uh, enjoy the grunt? Like Carol said one time, you just, well, you just like making phone calls. I said, no, I don't. Nobody does. I like the results of it. But the grunt and the grovel is powerful, and they call that uh, grit. Uh, grit, yeah, it's grit. Yeah, that's uh, where you get. That's where you get the grit. Yeah, and you know what grit is? Grit is fiber in your diet. It allows you to process your food. Your grit allows you to process success. But if you don't have any grit, uh, you can't handle success. So we're probably giving people too much for free on this call, you know. Well, you know, the, uh, you know there's a, a great whole thing, a book on grit, but they, 
they can't define it. You either have it or you don't. But I think you just defined grit. Exactly. For a period That's of time, you've got to grovel and grunt. That creates the grit um, that brings you the glory. Yeah. Yeah, it's like doing workouts in the gym. You, there's no other way to develop muscle. There's no other way to develop grit without groveling and doing the grunt work. You know, it gives you that toughness and uh, allows you to process your future success. It, it turns you – it's terraforming. You know, you develop that inside you over time where that toughness is developed. And uh, – but see, people write all these what, – what's hilarious to me and you is people write all these books and they have no friggin' clue what they're talking about. You get professors, they'll see it, they'll understand it, they'll analyze it, but they have no friggin' clue what grit is. They don't have any clue about flow. They'll write about flow, winning edge and stuff like that, but they have really no clue. So they'll write about it on a superficial level, but they have no capacity for explaining to someone exactly how you develop it, how it works. And so that's one reason I wanted to do these podcasts, because you can't do it off of just reading a book on grit. And so I need grit. Okay, I'm going to have grit. Great, grit. Yeah, but they didn't really say how you get grit, because they don't have a clue. They don't have grit themselves. You know what I'm saying? So, but, Larry, uh, I, uh, I've been taking a uh, – keeping a list of all the people – that became billionaires, and they started by selling stuff out of the trunk of their cars. Phil yep. Knight with Nike. Yeah. Um, the guy from uh, Under Armour. That was all. It did go to track me, and that's how they sell their stuff. And uh, hey, literally, hey, before they that, had no warehouses, fancy stuff, anything. They were they were groveling. And grunting, how many people, Larry, I've interviewed over the years and said, I'm not going to build it. You give me 25, 30 people, and I'll manage them, and I'll get stuff out of them, but, you know, I I don't want to have to go through the groveling and grunting stages of creating this. I want to take over and run it. Yeah. But, you know, there's a degree of that grunting and groveling, and, you know, that Loretta Lynn image is powerful. And how they, you know, had to beg, borrow, and steal and, and to get her record going. It wasn't pretty. Yeah. yeah, and there's movies about this now. If you doubt this, go look at the movies, you know. Uh, in Pursuit about of Happiness with Will Smith. <clears throat> right. Right. Well, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, you brought him up. Michael Jordan, early in his career, he would do the workouts. He had his own Tim I forget, Tim Graves or Grover. Tim, what's his Tim name? Grover. Grover, yeah. And they would, you know, he would even bring, you know, like Scotty Pippen over to his house, and he had a big gym and big workout thing, big complex. They'd do like two hours in the morning, have breakfast, and uh, put it through very specific type, you know, programs. But, you know, and they'd lift weights. You know, back when they weren't really lifting weights, he'd be in there lifting weights and everything. But towards the end of his career, Bill, I don't know if you know this, but at the end of his career, his big thing, he'd spend two, you know, because you get stiffer as you get older. He wasn't working on developing, you know, the 
conditioning so much in the strength, but he worked on two, he had were like two hours a day of stretching. That's what he did his last season. In his last season, when he was like 40, he scored over 18 points a game, and he played the whole 82-game season. He played every game, not injured, and he scored 18 points, and he's like 40 years old. Michael Jordan. But he knew he paid the price with his stretching. Bjorn Borg retired from tennis at age 29 after winning, like, what, five, six, seven Wimbledons? Right. And, and they said, why did you retire? He said, oh, I love playing the tournaments. I love playing tennis. I just don't like the six hours a day it takes, uh, when, you know, to be able to play the tournaments. And he was smart enough to realize if he's not going to put in the six hours, he's going to go in and they get wiped out in the first round. He don't want to do that. So I quit. But it just shows you got to pay the price if you want the big stuff, you know. So, but it's accessible to all. The great thing is it's accessible. And, like, he did it for a period of time, Bill, and he's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. He's got, you know, his life is set. So you don't have to. You know, this is not something where you have to punish yourself for your whole life or whatever, but if you're on the way up, how else are you going to get up? My question is for everybody is, if you want to get up the ladder, how else are you going to get up the ladder? You can't parachute in to the top, you know. So, Bill, this this is Yeah, that's a lot what we call that groveling and grunting. You know, successful people do what other people won't do. Right. And that's the difference. Yeah. Virginia uh, used to say you that. You tell me I can make a millionaire, you? I'll pound that phone. So yeah. I can write market call. I'll do the right things necessary. Right. Uh, and I'm going to do today what others won't so I can have tomorrow what others can't. I've used these mantras, Larry, all my life. Galatians 6 9. Do not grow weary of doing good for others. If you don't relax your efforts, in due time, you will reap your harvest. These are yeah. promises. And yeah. that's the groveling and grunting of doing good for others And because you don't see the results yet. And yeah. success thinking grow rich, it says it very specifically. When success comes, it comes so fast. You wonder yeah. where it's been hiding all those lean years. While you're groveling and grunting, like you're talking about, overnight successes, like you were an overnight I, success. They forget about that 10-year period before your overnight success. Exactly. You just shoot the bull, talking, visiting, nothing structured. You're, you're in a car. Yeah. You're not looking at each other. You're, but you're yeah. talking in outcomes, jewels of wisdom, like you just had with the grunting and the groveling. Yeah, that is brilliant. Making that available, and it uh, so good deal. Thanks so much, Bill. This has been fun. It's further convincing me that we, I need to do this. Got to do it. Thanks so much, Bill. All right, Larry. We, take care. And we will, and we we'll do this again. We'll do this again. All right. Oh, it's fun. All right. See you, man. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. 
Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.